Adelaide history, our first goal. The Originals podcast is back for a second season, thanks to you and your open ears. In this third episode of Series 2, we meet Sarah Hosking, a coon new recruit for Richmond's AFL women's team, whose story, here and now, is so much deeper than meets the eye. As well as being a leading player in the AFLW, Sarah is an identical twin who, until very recently, had only ever played footy alongside her sister Jess. Which makes Sarah's move to join Richmond and leave Carlton, where Jess remains, a profound decision in the course of both their lives. More coming up on this. But first, a note on why this podcast exists. The Originals is being made to help record a landmark happening for all time. Say what? I'm Sam Lane and I'll fill you in. When the most supported sports club in Sports Mad Australia fields an elite women's team for the first time, it has super meaningful ripple effects. That's what happened when the Australian Football League's present-day powerhouse club entered the AFL's elite competition for women in 2020. That club is the Richmond Tigers, a club that boasts more paid-up members than any other in Australia a club that has existed for 136 years and, up until last year, had only been a home for fully-fledged or hopeful male sporting champions. Last year, Richmond Footy Club became inclusive in a way it was not previously able to. It did this by gaining entry to the AFL's AFL Women's Competition, a national league that was launched in 2017. Now that Richmond has an AFLW licence and team, grown women can play under the AFL's banner representing the famous yellow and black. Young girls can now do more than merely dream about following in their bootsteps. There are 12 episodes of the originals already banked. You'll find them wherever you get your podcasts and via richmondfc.com.au. This second series of the originals has a sponsor. I'm very pleased to say it's Wise Employment, which exists to help people who have employment barriers, including mental illness and disability, to find meaningful work. Find out more at wiseemployment.com.au or call 1800 685 105. Now, an outline of the centrepiece of this episode. Here's some key info about Sarah Hosking. Sarah's 25 and made her AFL Women's League debut in 2017 on that unforgettable night of the AFLW's first match. Yes, Sarah used to play for Carlton, but don't hold it against her, Tiger fans. At her four seasons at Carlton, Sarah played every possible game. You'll hear some of Sarah's thoughts about that shortly. I mentioned Sarah's identical twin, Jess. Sarah is the older of the two by one minute. And until recently, the pair was inseparable on and off the footy field. That's changed now that Sarah is a tiger, which makes her story, given this major change was her decision, all the more interesting to me. And hopefully to you too. So here goes. Sarah, welcome to the Originals. Thank you so much for joining us. Lovely to see you and and to hear you. I think what I'd really love to hear is your most vivid memory of last weekend because you debuted not only as a Richmond player but in the first match that Punt Road had hosted for uh, premiership points in an elite match of any kind uh, for 
a very, very long time. So how was that? Oh, no, I mean, there's not probably not enough words that actually describes it, but um, I, I think you move, moving from one club to another, it can sometimes, from the outside, it, it may look hard to get involved in the in the culture and the history of the club and understanding rivalries and all of that kind of thing. But I, I feel like from the get-go and the beginning, I was embraced in the Richmond culture and I was embraced in the Richmond history. And, um, and I listened to some of the people from within the club as well as external to the club talking about what it's like to have football at Punt Road. And for me, on this particular day, um, we, we had Dave Asprey come and uh, give us a little, uh, give us all of the debutants our our new jerseys and and present us with our um, our playing jumpers. So that was a really special moment. But he touched on a few different things, and it was about how important it is. Obviously, that you are playing Richmond, and it's something for Richmond, but it's something that you will never forget. And then he also touched on the fact that football's back at Punt Road, and that means something so much to the club as a whole and the boys themselves haven't felt the atmosphere at Punt Road probably and again the entire time that they might have played for for Richmond so um, I think that was a really special moment and and COVID restrictions or not we still had our diehard fans down and it was exciting to to see a large number of the crowd but have a sellout within minutes of of the tickets going on sale so for me, it was a, a special moment getting to represent a new club that is now my club as well, and, and I really carry that with pride. The fact that you probably thought you'll never get something ever quite like that round one in 2017 again, did that in some way enhance the experience that you had in Punt, at Punt Road in round one this year? Yeah, absolutely, and I, I'm probably lucky enough that I have been involved in some pretty significant moments across AFLW and across the years, and that very first round being one of them at, at Icon Park, but also being able to play in front of one of the biggest crowds in, in front of women's sport in our losing grand final when when I was playing. But again, another moment that sort of signifies women's football and AFL, but this was something different and something special. Yeah, I feel like listening to you there, you you might be saying, and I don't want to put words into your mouth, Sarah, but you might be saying that it was as thrilling for you, as thrilling as that first game ever in AFLW uh, and the grand final where there were 53-odd thousand in Adelaide that you played in. Are you saying that, that it was as meaningful to you, as thrilling to you? Yeah, definitely, and, and in different ways. Like I said, it, it it may not have been as big of a crowd, but the moment itself is was so exciting for me and it, and it was a sense of a lot of hard work and effort paying off just to be able to get out there with this new group of girls to bring something special to our club and our supporters to bring football back to Punt Road. And and right now I think there's something so special in, in those moments that it's only been a few days since that game has passed. But when I look back in another five years' time or two years' time and maybe even 20, 30 years' time, that's when the moment really stands out to me. At the time, I may not necessarily know it and and it's that feeling, but I go, you know what, there's something really special and really unique about what's happening right now and I know that in the future this is going to be something that 
is big and was big. What's the most vivid memory of yours from on field that day, Sarah, in a pure footy sense? I oh, that's a good question. I think it's I I always love saying the first bounce, but there was probably a, a few moments, and for me, I had some individual targets, but uh, individual things that I wanted to make sure I did to have an impact and and for me that was to hit a body and hit a contest and and there was one in particular that was um, I I think a kick in from Brisbane and to come out and go and have an impact and hit someone's body but again another one on the punt road side of the the oval when I lay a strong tackle I know that I can I feel something special and I know that I can feel it uplift the team but doing something f- not just for me but for the team and um, there was a moment where a sort of hos- hospital handball went up to one of the Brisbane girls and I took my moment when I had it and just laid her into the ground as nice as possible. <laughs> but for me there was another moment that I just – that really made me, while I was on field, sit back and go, wow, like this is where we're getting to. And it was when Ali McKenzie was running down, again, the punt road wing – and she's taken on – it happened twice and she took on two players at once and her ability to just sidestep but have those skills that I didn't have growing up or I didn't have when I came into footy and she's just lifted her arms up, shuffled her way across, looks so seamless and watching her deliver the ball down the line to KB and, and then handball it to whoever was next was a moment that I was like, we are getting somewhere here. And, and it's AFL women's. Like it's, I'm so excited to see the crop of girls that keep coming through the ranks and hopefully push me out of the way. You know, like it's a good thing. I'm, I'm happy that I'm still kicking on and I hope I kick on for another five years at least. But if you've got players like Ali McKenzie coming through that have that talent and have grown up, uh, it's scary to think that she was 13 when I played my first AFLW game. So these girls are getting younger and younger and probably idolising and watching the competition grow from the foundation come in and kick me out because I'm ready for it. I want to rewind now um, to why you are sitting here in a Richmond jumper and um, not still in a navy blue one, which you, of course, debuted um, in, in the number 10 and um, had to wait a year, but you got to play alongside your sister, um, your identical twin, Jess. And, um, you know, there's so much to unpick there and I'm guided by you, Sarah, with how much you'll share and maybe there's still uh, some that you're processing. When I when I sort of came to the decision, I I mean I, I absolutely love Carlton and ha, have loved my time and been so thankful and privileged for the opportunities that I've had there. But um, ultimately, it's been a completely individual decision and and around my own individual development. And I think it's, I mean, it's exciting that you get to see some some athletes and some girls actually now making a decision for themselves on what they can do to better themselves as athletes, not just um, sort of for this part-time and work life as well. So uh, the the conversation sort of came around. I'd had a few chats with Half and and it was around my development and, and where I see myself 
going in the future and and what I aspire to do and for me I I wanted to try and give being an athlete the best chance I could but I also wanted some exposure in different areas on the field and um and I think it was it was an amazing problem that Carlton have that it was a bit hard to to shift and transition and and play in different roles on the field and I think that that was the the tough decision is that I played um, on the wing and solely on the wing for two, three years. And, and I loved it and I want, wanted to play my role for the team, but I also had desires to develop more as a player. And, and for me right now, that's to also play midfield and, and the inside mid contest, like contested footy and where I I love and get my excitement out of is that hard at it kind of crash and bash but uh, like applying pressure to the contest and I think when we had those conversations around where that could either take me at Carlton I, I it it sort of halted there and it, and it wasn't my chance probably wasn't going to come at Carlton because of the caliber of players that we had but again a great problem to have and I was stuck in sort of in a limbo spot and going well what do I do here do I do I stay content and and also know that we're we're potentially on the verge of a premiership or do I try and create something for myself and and step out of my comfort zone completely and try something new and and I did and I think that and that's where it it came to like I I was working a full-time job at the football club which was amazing and I loved that Um, and that was in their their Colton College space but what what I didn't know is that then I, I resigned once I decided to um, to move clubs and, and move to Richmond. And I think naturally that was just um, sort of the agreement that I, I felt was most comfortable. But I think it, in a sense it was a blessing in disguise because I then had a moment where I was able to focus on football and I, it's it's a really challenging space because I think we're starting to see more girls now choosing between their career pathway and football and either trying to be an athlete or going down a pathway of, of education study or wherever your career takes you. And for me, I it was only because I removed myself and resigned from my role that I, I said to myself, I need to take an opportunity to try and give being an athlete 100%. And that was right from the challenges I found is that I'm working eight, nine or nine hours a day and then you're trying to fit in an elite training program either side of that. So it's either get up at five o'clock in the morning, train and train to the best of your ability, gym, running, whatever that was, work a full day and then at the end of the day you've either got a training session or a skills session with your team. And realistically you're body just struggles to cope with it and I think that's the problem that we face across multiple levels of sport it's not just women's football you've got the VFL programs the tier two programs where people are trying to crack being an athlete so again that that's where my decision came and now I'm I I feel like as a person and as an athlete I'm I've identified what it takes and it's a, a, a hit to the salary but you it's a decision I'm having to make and especially make for AFL women's. And I want to do that to try and be the best athlete I can be. How much sort of angst was involved in this decision? Because the way you say it, it, it's as if you might have stayed, you could have Mm -hmm. stayed in a certain way. And I hope I'm not misreading that. 
no, not at all. And and I'll be completely honest. Like I, I was that was my plan. I was staying. There was nothing that there was nothing that pushed me over the edge to go, you need to leave or and I, I said it from the start. I loved the club. I loved the people involved. I had a full time job there that was a stable job and I enjoy I loved my job as well. So there was nothing turning me away from staying at Carlton. And and again, very raw and honest. It was a, a, a selfish but an individual decision that I had to make for myself. And I, I am open about it. I went back and forth, back and forth before even making a decision. And I had said no to Richmond. And I said no, I'm, I said no, I'm staying at Carlton. So to be on the fence about it. it it wasn't a bad thing but it was just a I had to make a measured decision and I kept coming back to that development side and the development piece around where I wanted to be as a player and as an athlete and I kept kicking myself that I wanted to take those opportunities and I could be turning around and going you're going to make the worst decision of your life like you you are literally set up here at a club that you love around people that you love but now that I've taken that step, like I'm so I'm so thankful that I've done it. I still have really close and strong relationships with players and staff and people involved at Carlton, and I'm I made sure and I really wanted to make sure that was a measured decision. I cried more than I ever had probably in my life across a period of five hours where I literally spent like I said, five hours calling every single player I possibly could and or every teammate and I called our coaching staff and then naturally I had relationships with people within the club as well working there. So I tried to call staff within the club as well and actually have a conversation. It was explaining whether or not it was in myself wanting to explain to them but but I explained my reasons why and I gave, uh, I said to people, this, these are my reasons why and everything I've just said to you. And the thing I was most nervous about was losing those people and losing those relationships over anything. And what I actually found came out of it most was that, I mean, it might have been because I was crying and blubbering like a baby, but those people actually turned around and said, you know what, you've got to do what's right for you. No one can actually hit you down for taking a development opportunity and bettering yourself but also you've built relationships and the way that you you've networked with people and actually got to know people is that those relationships aren't going and they're not disappearing they will be there and they will for a long time and I think once I had sort of had those conversations I was at ease a little bit more with my decision and then like transitioning to to Richmond my first couple of weeks was all via Zoom and meeting my teammates on Zoom and I've said it a few times, I'm thankful that I'm not shy because I threw myself in there and popped my hand up and let everyone know that I'm a self-proclaimed dickhead straight up so that they knew what they were about to expect. But it was, it was, um, I was welcomed with open arms and I, I have really, I've got, I have developed and I've got so much out of the transition that I've had and I wouldn't change my decision at all. Like I'm so thankful for taking the plunge and actually, yeah, it was like scary and daunting to make a decision, but I've made a decision and it, it, it was right for me. Who was the hardest to broach? What was the hardest conversation or call when you told them and take us back there? 
there were so like, there were so many. It was, I mean, the first one naturally was, and this is if he hears this, he was an ex-Richmond person and the CEO in Kane Little. That was a tough conversation. So, I, I called Kane and I spoke to him, and and this was before I'd even made a decision as well because I again wanted to make sure that. I was measured about this approach and, and I w- wanted to get every piece from every aspect. But when I when I sort of went to Kane with what I was thinking, he he straight away turned around and said, what the hell are you thinking? Um, he's like, "You, what do you mean? And, and again, that understanding of why you'd go from a team that's on the verge of a premiership and he knows I've had so many conversations with him about career development and and he's such he was was and and has still been such a big support in every aspect from football to Kane I need I need something else and he was straight on to the next person that needed to and would put me in contact with who I needed to chat to so that was a really tough conversation and probably left me again going I went a lot of back and forth and it was straight back to Sarah what the hell are you thinking like you you're being crazy here so he was a tough one um and then Jess was another one I really struggled to to even get anything out of her she wasn't one that I told later on it was when I actually had the first thought about moving and when I told her she normally we can chat about things and sort of get a bit more out of her but she just gave me donuts and it she said will you do what you what you need to do and I think that was a little bit of a deflective um a little bit more of a deflection and it was both of us probably not dealing with our feelings like we should have and she didn't she didn't it literally said you've got to make the decision and well why would you do it and and very blunt answers whereas we're usually very open with each other so she was tough and and it wasn't until I actually made the commitment to move that we then unpacked it a bit more and and I think it really hit her at the start and I hope she doesn't mind me saying it but initially uh, her thought was well god I'm like I'm really struggling like if you're leaving then what's everyone going to think of me and I think as twins we sort of get packaged a lot so and it, and it is tough and like reflecting on it now it's been the best decision for both of us individually we've been able to stand on our own two feet it's just fascinating Sarah thank you for sharing that and I I wonder have you ever not played in the same team because you did you netballers soccer athletics uh you played everything you could and you played footy and ultimately you loved footy the most have you ever not been in a team with Jess no and it's I mean you get the odd like your your Monday night netball comp where we might have just one of us gone and played for a team or or that sort of thing but other than that we've literally always been in the same team or the same club like there's been no there's always been competitiveness and rivalry between the two of us to push each other to get better because we're in the same environment but when we're We've never been in opposition for one another. And if it was, it was because the stupid selectors at trials would find it funny to play twins against each other and let's see who's the better one. But, it, yeah, it's, it, it's like I said, it's weird, but it's also, I mean, I joke around about it. I'm sick of seeing her at home, so that was enough. So <laughs> now that we are separated, it's, like I said, I think we've both really been able to grow on our own. We've done so much 
uh, with so many things and so much of our lives has been together, which is awesome. And I love that. We both love it. Like we get along like a house on fire. She's my best friend and I can turn to her for anything. But this is probably the first time we've had some small, like our jobs have been separate, but this is the first time that it's the, the one thing we are both so passionate about and so excited to do we normally do that stuff together. It's a different insight and it's challenged me to to go off and do things on my own and you, it probably sounds crazy at 25 to be saying that, but it, it has. Just a short pause here to tell you about the first sponsor of the Originals podcast. It's Wise Employment, a Melbourne-based, Australian-owned, not-for-profit organisation that's been helping Australians for nearly 30 years. WISER's ultimate vision is to inspire, transform and enable people to realise their potential. WISE pushes for diversity and inclusion in Australian workplaces and it helps people with employment barriers like mental illness and disability to find meaningful work. WISER's partnership with Richmond's AFLW team is motivated by WISE Employment's particular dedication to supporting women athletes and empowering women in all aspects of life. WISE has a Richmond office and over 100 others across Victoria, New South Wales, Tasmania, South Australia, Queensland and the Northern Territory. The friendly team at WISE Employment would love to meet you and discuss how they can help you find employment or help find the right fit for your team. Visit wiseemployment.com.au or call 1800 685 105. And tell them, if you like, that you heard about WISE thanks to the Richmond Footy Club and the Originals podcast. Now, back to our chat with Sarah Hosking. Who was your number one footy influencer, Sarah? There's probably two elements. I think um, from that competitiveness and and admiration on on how someone else carried themselves and what they brought to the table, it, it was Jess. And I think that was between the two of us growing up that we always had that competitiveness. We were always in netball it was either who's better or who can who can make this team or that team but it was also a challenge about how we can both get better and and then when football came around Jess was she just it, it seemed like she had a lot more talent than I did and I'm I was getting frustrated that I wasn't picking it up as quickly and and for us our first season of football was at Seaford and by the end of that year we were we were drafted so that development time was it was really frustrating for me to watch that she was picking it up quicker than I was and and that might not have been that sense but I admired the competitiveness that she had which stemmed that in me and that was from a young age that anything she did I had to do it or I had to do it better and and vice versa but off the field it it was dad and he 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 probably doesn't know it we don't actually I haven't actually spoken to him about it and and I both mum and dad were so supportive on anything I did but Dad was is someone that I admire. He, he I joke about it all the time, and he tells me he had a great bowling arm, and he was great at this sport. And I tell him that he was a great bench warmer at footy. But he he has always had an admiration for our sporting life, and it wasn't a matter of if we were going to make it or not. It was a matter that whatever we wanted to do, he was there to support. So it was mum, but dad was there and physically he came to everything. He t- 
took us to every single one of our trials. He took us to every game. He came and watched our school sport. And I met like we played 10 different sports across a year in just in school sport. And he would come to everything, home games, away games. So he was incredible. And, and just the joy that I get to see out of him watching us play sport and and even just giving it like shit stirring him about his cricket days or his football days I love it like it's just it's exciting that I'm sure we got a lot of our talent from him but um yeah it's just so so nice to see not a reward but he he's believed in us for so long that now he gets to see it as well and he gets to see the reward that we get out of it you became a vice captain as soon as you show up what did that mean to you um, oh, as again, as cliche, as cliche as it sounds, I'm honestly just so humbled. And for me, even coming in, I wanted to make sure that, that that leadership style that I show is very organic and natural. So whether that means having a title or not, I don't care. I mean, I do, but I don't care in that sense that I, regardless of having a title of vice captain, I will lead with those actions and and my values as a person and I think for me it was just so powerful to know that I've got the support of not only my teammates but the staff involved in our program to back me as a leader and and I I honestly I take it with pride that I get to represent this club and as I mentioned it was such a short amount of time and three months sort of in a pre-season doesn't seem like a lot of time but I I really take pride in the fact that 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 these people are behind me and and I'm there with them to get the best out of us as a team and a collective to be the best people we can be but also to p- perform on the field. You have been in from the get-go in this comp. Um, You're a thinking person. You played every game that you possibly could have at 31 uh, games and counting. What is going better in AFLW than you hoped and what is, if I could give you the magic wand of power, what would you be applying um, your keenest focus and attention to? What's your area of concern for the comp? I think from a, a development perspective and, and where we can work on, I, I mean, you naturally you naturally go, it would be amazing to have, to be able to be a full-time athlete. I think anyone's dream is to do that. And for me, that is my dream. I would love to still be playing when we, when and if we get a chance to be full-time athletes. Now, I know that, that there's stepping stones in order to be able to do that, but I think those elements of of putting certain things in place to allow girls to take those opportunities whether it's from an individual club perspective that you might have some girls that sacrifice their full-time job and and other things during AFLW season how can we best capitalize on that to allow these girls to at least try and be full-time in your season and across that period um and that's through all elements it's through access to facilities it's through development it's through even staffing perspective like employing staff that are available full-time to the girls as well not just it's hard for the staff that are currently in the program to have to go to their full-time jobs during the day potentially get paid peanuts and then expected to really perform for the girls as well like that's a huge issue in itself um but yeah, I, I think that's where the 
there's a lot of development and that's that's where mine sits. Sarah, last one, and we could talk all day, but you have a team meeting about to start yes. just finally and keep it keep it as um, short and sharp as you like. I see you advocating all over the place, whether it's for red dust, two boots, the pride round. Um, you, you did a wonderful post about your sister and cleft palates and cleft lips and awareness around that. Um, you've done a cert three and four, I think, in lockdown and you're doing a, an MBA um, subject. Project to you in 10 years' time, what, what's your vision for yourself? What's your dream? I'd love to be my own boss. Um, ideally, I mean, 35 is pushing it, but there's a few girls that are still 35. I'd love to somehow still be in the system. That would be amazing if I can keep my body the way it is. Um, if not, I just, yeah, I'd love, like I said, love to be my own boss. Hopefully I've started my own business, um, and, and hopefully currently in the process of that now, and hopefully that's going well. Um, and I just, yeah, I'd love to just stay involved, but help develop different pathways now, whether that's for footy or, um, or in other spaces, business space, in leadership, in media, wherever that is, I'd love to be involved in a development space and helping others. It's beautiful vision. And um, in the meantime, like just power on. I love your fearlessness, uh, your tenacity, and clearly you've had instant impact. I mean, they don't just make anyone a vice captain um, after meeting on Zoom meetings and then you know, the rest. So congratulations. It's been wonderful to talk to you. And I'm going to get in massive trouble with your new coach if um, you don't make this team meeting. So we're going to have to wrap it. Thank you. Please uh, maybe just make a note that the girls are probably going to try and find me. So if possible, get me out of the fines. I'm Sam Lane, writer and co-producer of The Originals, working with the superstar support of Richmond's excellent digital team. Special thanks Matt Collada, Ian Gall, Bilal Ali, Elizabeth Yore and Josh Berryman. Thank you for listening. And don't forget, if you're into this, the first 10-part series of The Originals is already banked. We had long-form chats with Katie Brennan, Mon Conti and Sabrina Frederick, just to name a few. You'll find these waiting to be downloaded wherever you get your podcasts. And next week, I'm excited. We're sitting down with the first pick of the 2020 AFLW draft. That's Ellie McKenzie incredibly talented and now officially a Richmond player. Until then, we sign off with the Richmond figurehead who signs off like nobody else. Over to you, Richmond President Peggy O'Neill. Go Tigers.